0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of Arrowhead Pride. .com, joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor john dixon john we're about what 15 16 days away from the nfl draft how are you preparing for what is a, a long weekend of coverage
1: well uh i'm just trying to get a lot of rest <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've also been i've also been playing around with the draft value chart which i'll be writing about as soon as what i have can you
0: learned i mean that is a, a complicated chart
1: well, uh, I, what I what I've learned is that the draft value charts that we have used over the years aren't exactly right. Oh, uh, some some of that's obvious, and some of it's less obvious. And I'm going to dig into that when I put this piece together. Ultimately, up to this point, I've just done research on it, but uh, it's the time of year that I've got time to do that kind of research. So, <laughs> so uh, uh, it'll it'll be interesting. I you promise kn- it'll be an interesting article.
0: Now, make me even more excited for the. Podcast. You know, there's nothing that gets me going like a preview to an article we're going to be throwing up (laughs) on ourheadpride.com. So look out for that. We're going to be rethinking the draft value chart, which is great because, you know, we're trying to get ahead of it here. And uh, particularly this year, when your Kansas City Chiefs have 12 picks, you're going to want to know can they move up? What would it take to move up to certain positions? We've said a number of times that we think the Chiefs aren't going to be picking. At 29 or 30, we think it'll be much earlier. But what do you have to flip to get much earlier? What do you have to flip to get ahead of the Green Bay Packers, who are picking in the early 20s? All right, Uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We need to back up, back up the bus. We're going to talk about this (laughs) as the show goes on. We actually had a a bit of news this week, so there's a lot to to get through. Before we do, I want to tell you if if you like our show, if you like our shows here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, do me a favor. And go to Apple iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. I've always said that if you leave us a rating and a review, we will read it right here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. We have two to read this week, so good job by you guys. Uh, the Editor Show was great, John. That was the comment from Cooper and Palouse. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correct. Pete Sweeney and John Dixon offer good coverage. Out of Structure episodes are pretty good, too. The British Show is interesting and worth a listen <laughs> But the guys don't have the best understanding of the sport. Look, sometimes they mix up football and football. We get that. That's part of their charm. Then he yeah. goes on to really give it to Ron the Show. And I'm not going to read it, uh, but there was a mix-up with Bobby Bell's number. If you want to read the bashing of Ron the Show, um, <laughs> you know, I'm always here for that. So uh, go go and read it if you want, but we appreciate the five stars. Here was the second review. The editor's show was a must-listen. Uh, that was from Patrick Randolph. As an out-of-state Chiefs fan, it's great to listen to all these shows to keep feeding my football needs. It's like talking Chiefs with your buddies at a bar. A question for Pete and John. With both Cleveland and Washington uh, changing team names, I'm curious what you think would be a great name if we were to move on from the Chiefs. Basically says he doesn't want to get into the politics of it, which uh, we don't either. But if it ever came to to pass Mm -hmm. that the Chiefs had to move on, Uh, What would your suggestion for a name uh, be, John? He has suggested the Kansas City Hunts to connect it to Lamar, the (laughs) Monarchs, the Kings to connect it to the Royals and, and a throwback to the NBA team. What do you think, John?
1: Well, those are good suggestions. I, I'm not sure the Hunts makes sense. Uh, you know, the Clarks you know, maybe if the Kansas the City Clarks. Clarks there, there you go. <laughs> but I'd like the Monarchs. Uh, that would fit in with the the Royals' identity. It's got a rich Kansas City tradition as a as a sports team name. Uh, the Kings, you know, same deal with the Royals and and what all. If we wanted to have memes of Queen Elizabeth, uh, you know, wearing a Chiefs jersey, that that would work. So uh, it, it'd be fine.
0: Yeah, I was thinking, you know, the connection to jazz. I don't know if this would be a fan favorite, but the Kansas City Vines
1: would, would be oh, interesting. Nice. Or but the Cass Kansas Scots City. Animals, though, or strong people. That's the that's the thing, though. Yeah, that's
0: true. Well, this, the scouting department has been really good over the past few years. So maybe like the Kansas City Scouts would be, and you connect there, it to the. Hey, there you go. The, the shuttlecocks, right? If you're really getting <laughs> a little wild with it. Why not? <laughs> uh but i i'll i'll tell you this and and this is just to to bring it back i i think the chiefs have been proactive on that front and i, I really don't see it going anywhere you know just to uh, appease all the nervous chiefs fans to even get this chatter started i i you know talked to the organization we've had press conferences and uh, i know a lot of people are attached to the name but uh, fun to think about i mean there, there, There is a, there is hope from Patrick Mahomes that there will be an NBA team. And so, you know, they're not going to go and get the Kings back because that's the Sacramento now. So maybe some of these names could work for a possible NBA or NHL team as well. All right, let's get into the nitty gritty of the news of the past week. First thing, John, uh, was that the Chiefs signed a former Colts defensive tackle named Taylor Stallworth. He was undrafted in 18, spent some time with the Saints, went to the Colts. Now, as a Kansas City Chief, you jumped on the contract for Stallworth, and we're going to have a deeper discussion about the cap on the on the second half. But this is another one of those good deals by Brett Beach.
1: Right. Uh, Stallworth got what's called a veteran salary benefit deal. Uh, I've written about this a number of times over the years. It's something that Beach really likes to do. In fact, uh, Stallworth's contract is the 11th uh, veteran salary bat- uh, cap deal. Excuse me, veteran salary benefit deal on the roster uh, so far this season. Uh, Quite a list of players that have those already. Basically what it means is that uh, you can pay him at his minimum NFL salary for a year, pay him a signing bonus or other bonuses up to $152,500. And then the cap hit is the uh, minimum salary for a player with just two years experience. Plus that bonus, whatever it happens to be. And uh, that ends up saving anywhere from $140,000 to uh, like $1. $1.3 million um, on these players. There's a, another kind of cap uh, veteran salary benefit uh, contract where you can save a little bit more on certain kinds of players. But most of them are just guys that have at least four years of NFL experience.
0: Yeah, the Chiefs really seem to be strategic with the cap, especially this mm-hmm. year when, yeah. I don't know, I just get the feeling that, you know, we haven't really heard them touching Mahomes yet, right? Or do we, do we just assume that has happened? Or I, I'm, I'm guessing maybe there's a, a strategy to, to not necessarily making some of those moves and to, you know, continue to have flexibility for years to come. And they're kind of, uh, forgive me for my words there, they're kind of in a way eating it a little bit this year. And I wonder if they're leaning just heavier into the draft, which of course makes a lot of Chiefs fans mad when you see all these players going around the AFC West.
1: Well, I, I think there's a lot to be said for that. I think that last year they saw a serious, serious problem with the offensive line. Uh, Andy Reid admitted that they had really let it slide for a long period of time. And I think that what they saw in the Super Bowl year before last um, told them, you know, we got a bad problem here that we need to catch up on. And so it made sense uh, to go to McCombs' contract to create some salary cap space and do the make the other moves that they made, uh, including you know the releases of Schwartz and and Fisher, which opened up cap space as well, and I think they just didn't see the need uh, to be as serious this year. Although right. some would argue that point. I also think that they don't want to go to Mahomes contract unless there really is a fire, unless they really need to break the glass and pull the fire alarm, so to speak. That's and what I, I think has been no. the shift with me, not not to cut you off, but that's what's no. been the shift with me
0: is I think we saw it last year and we just sort of assumed, well, this is going to be something that they do every right.
1: year. Right,
0: When it it does seem like if we have to, we'll use this mechanism mm-hmm to give us more money, but I mean, it's still possible, I would guess, but we have not seen it yet. So uh, remains to be seen. We're going to talk more about the, the cap in the second half. I want to get to the on the field stuff with Stallworth. And this was from our lead analyst, Ron Kopp, in his wonderful review for arrowheadpride.com. Stallworth raises the floor of the chiefs defensive tackle position. The group got deeper with the fifth player that has some juice as a pass rusher. He's an ascending player. So we could see further development in his age 27 season. He will play on the fringe of the roster, meaning there's no guarantee he makes the team, but he has the talent to contribute in a rotation. If he becomes the odd man out eventually, it's because the rest of the group shows to be impressive overall. And, you know, uh, I like Stalworth; It seems like a a value player here, but you look at this defensive line and it's a little worrisome. I mean, the interior, I think you feel okay about Chris Jones and Derek Noddy. Colin Saunders, Turk Wharton, and now Stalworth, But it's, it's the edge positions where you're like, what's the other shoe to drop here? When you look at past Frank Clark, which you know we don't necessarily know we're going to get from Frank Clark. We hope it's a more consistent performance than we've seen uh, in, in recent memory. But Mike Dana, Josh Kando, Jonathan Woodard, Austin Edwards, our, our buddy, shout out to his dad, uh, Malik Herring, Do we really feel great about the edge position? It just feels like there needs to be a big-time shoe to drop. And at this stage, it's got to be in the draft, right? So you got to think that they're trading up for an edge, I would guess, right?
1: Well, yeah, I agree that there's still a shoe to drop. I can't imagine that the Chiefs are going to go into the season with these particular defensive ends on the roster. I think there's going to be other players. The question is whether it will be a big free agency move uh like we saw in on actually on the same day of the year april 23rd for both the frank clark trade and the orlando brown jr trade under veach's watch so this could be something that happens just days before the draft um i have thought ever since the chiefs didn't go after a defensive end an edge rusher in the opening moves of free agency uh, i have thought right from that point on that they've got their eye on a, on an edge rusher in the draft. And uh, I think that that, that maybe that they think the guy maybe they're, they're the guy they like the best is going to be available in the late, the late at the end of the first round and they won't have to do anything. Or maybe, you know, they've got their eye on a guy who's projected to go in the top 10 picks and we're going to see a trade, but right. it just has felt to me like right from the beginning of free agency, that this is something that we're going to see is that, that beach yeah. has his eye on a particular edge rusher in the draft. And that's going he's gonna, who he's going to go after aggressively.
0: This is an exciting time because Brett Feech really has the ammo to pick at any position. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, we're not, we're not talking like top five, right. Uh, but could you be, make it, you could, I mean, you could top 10, Yeah, yeah. Uh, certainly between 10 and 20 and he's been historically aggressive, and mm-hmm. so now you're you're basically giving a guy who wants to buy all the property all the Monopoly money. Two ones, two twos, <laughs> two threes, yeah. two fours. And it's like, what is this guy going to do? I wouldn't be stunned if we saw him trade four picks to get into the top 15, top 10, and mm-hmm. go get a premium edge guy. Where it, com- it gets complicated, and this is what it's been hard to, to wrap our head around, is you could see them – going nuts and trading four picks for an edge position. If it was the only position of need, I like Juju. I like McCall. I like MVS, but you need another receiver. You need another cornerback in that mix. Just simply from a depth standpoint, like, okay, Mm -hmm. you want want to sell me on Sneed, Fenton and Baker. I don't love it, but I can buy it. You can't go in with those guys and have one injury happen. And then right. You have to have a, a, a high upside rookie there. So, it's, it's interesting because Veach can be this mad scientist and, and really kill the draft, but it, it, there's several positions where you need to put bodies there simply. So it, it's a very complicated question, and it's going to be an exciting weekend um, for that reason. So draft weekend is one of the pillars of the NFL. Uh, one of the other pillars is the Hall of Fame. We have Dick Vermeil going into the Hall of Fame this year, and he announced that Carl Peterson will induct him into the hall of fame john you know you've been involved with the chiefs for decades now uh you've watched Vermeil. you have certainly watched peterson what were your thoughts on uh, peterson getting the nod to induct dick Vermeil here
1: well you know i think people got upset about it some people got upset about it because peterson left kind of on a bad vibe as often is the case with the general manager uh you know But I think his record was good over the long haul. I think it it just that the things that he wasn't good at, for example, uh, pulling the trigger on a quarterback in the early in the draft is something he just never wanted to do. And I think eventually the Chiefs paid the price for that. But he really did very well in a lot of different aspects of his job over the long term and certainly played a big role in turning the franchise around from being a perpetual doormat into being a, a championship caliber team right. in the 1990s. But, you know, the thing is, we don't get to decide, okay? Dick Vermeil gets to decide who's going to <laughs> speak for him at the induction ceremony. And frankly, I can't think of anybody who would be a better choice from his standpoint. Right. You know, he's known uh, Carl Peterson right from the beginning of his career, They worked together at at several teams. Um, Peterson brought him back to, brought him to Kansas city, got him to unretire from coaching because of the relationship between them. Um, I mean, all indicators were that he was happy with Gunther Cunningham as the, the head coach, but he just wanted to bring his buddy Dick back. And I get that GMs like to work with people they're comfortable with. I would too, if I were a GM so I I think this is just a, a, a something that has to do with the relationship between those two guys, and while I understand why people are like, yeah, I don't want to see Carl Peterson again, <laughs> but, but we don't get to decide that.
0: Yeah, I I mean the they they have a relationship dating back to the seventies. I I think mm-hmm. you just think of the chief stuff, and your brain automatically goes to anything but the king, right? <laughs> you can't. But I think it'll be a nice moment for sure. these two guys. And, and you know, there's a lot of respect between the two. And to get him out of the woodwork and to start coaching to get, again and then win the Super Bowl, like, you re- really owe that guy, you know, it's, at a certain point, I think, a lot. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't really have a problem with it, but I can understand where some people would rather he go in a different direction. sure. sure. All right, uh, moving on to, again, more, more recent stuff in recent Chiefs history. Um, we have some updates on some old friends. The Tyron Matthew tour has continued here uh, in visiting New Orleans Saints and Philadelphia Eagles. The general idea, I think, with Tyron Matthew when free agency began is we still, I think a lot of us were hopeful that he would come back to the Kansas City Chiefs. I think we were realistic to, to say that it probably wasn't going to happen once the Chiefs go and sign Justin Reed. That felt like the end. I said in our Slack channel this week. I think there's a sub one percent chance. Is it, is there? A, it's a. Is it zero? No. Is it? Is it likely? Absolutely not. Right. He's, he's right. not coming back unless something drastic happened uh, or happens. Especially with the great article from our friend of the site Sam McDowell coming out and uh, Tyron Matthews saying that he was blindsided and uh, essentially saying that he would have taken the Justin Reed deal. We don't know necessarily for sure if that's the case it's, it's a emotional business he's an emotional guy but here he is now going to the saints and the eagles so it shifted from okay the honey badgers one of the top free agents in the nfl he's gonna get signed on day one now it's well it seems like he's gonna pick his spots it seems like he's gonna allow teams to go through the nfl draft and you know we talk about brett Feach is always looking for the the value if a team's value doesn't match the pick at safety, but they need a safety. Maybe now that there's, you know, okay, we were relying on the NFL draft to get us a safety. We don't have one. We need Tyron Matthews. So mm-hmm. I think he's gotten to a point and it's kind of stunning in a way because we just didn't foresee this. And I, I'll tell you, I didn't foresee it where he didn't get the contract obviously that he was looking for. And now this player who I think has a lot of good years left, despite being 29 is sitting there waiting for the market to come back to him. In a way, and even though I think we're seeing him take these visits, I don't anticipate him signing until after the NFL draft. Now, watch on our ticker here as we're recording at 10:56 a.m. on Wednesday. i <laughs> Terry Matthew signs somewhere, but I, I, really, I feel like this is a post draft signing. Uh, again, incredible to say when, when we just valued him so highly going mm-hmm. into this free agency. Yeah.
1: Period. Well, and I think we have to, we have to say, you know, we we figured this wrong. We thought a year oh, ago. Yeah that uh, the Chiefs would sign him to an extension before last season started. yeah. And we thought all through the season they would get it done at the end of the season. We thought all the way up until the beginning of free agency that they were going to get a deal done with him. And then it turns out the Chiefs uh, didn't apparently even offer him a contract. Now, I, I think that's... We can probably dance on the head of a pin about the wording of that. It may be that they, they talked about a number and both sides couldn't come to an agreement on it, but they didn't offer him a formal contract, perhaps. Maybe that's the way we interpret that. But I think what we need to note here is that Brett Veach figured it right. Right. Um, You know, if if Veach had paid him a lot of money uh, to keep him around for another couple of seasons, we wouldn't know any different. But what Veach apparently knew is that he wasn't going to command a big salary from another team. So why should he pay it? So I think we have to give credit to Veach there. Beach went
0: out there and said, "Go test the market, man." And right. he, he looks—he looks smart for it. I, I think it also too, and I think I've mentioned this on previous shows. It's just like that reminder, especially with the successful teams in in the NFL. I think about New England when they say goodbye to what are perceived as mm-hmm. to be good yeah. players and good contributors, is that it's such a business. We're reminded of it in so many ways. Remember that the day in the week where they, you know, they cut Tamba and. Eric Berry and DJ and then you know a couple years later and to a lesser extent but still I think notable they cut Mitch Schwartz and Eric Fisher and they're Mm -hmm. like well we're just going to cut these tackles (laughs) like it's like yeah our tackles that have been really uh, again the foundation here for a long time look we got to move on you know we're not going to continue to pay guys that we we don't see that they're going to be able to contribute on the football field and I think this was another episode of that. And it's probably a nice reminder as you cover the NFL. Like even for me, I got caught up in it a little bit. I got caught up in mm-hmm. the emotional leader, yep. the videos, yeah, the fact that the team voted him yeah. the, the MVP. Uh, I think to an extent he did. I think there's a lot of passionate Chiefs fans that, that like the Honey Badger, even despite what was like a little bit of a testy time period during this season with calling the, the fan base toxic. There are certainly some fans that will remind us of that whenever we <laughs> post about him. <laughs> and, and you can't blame them for that either. Sure, uh, but sure. It's, it's a, it seems like a very muddled situation. Uh, I think as a Chiefs fan, this is a player that legitimately helped you win a title. I don't know if it happens without him. So I think the Saints or the Eagles would be ideal because it's in the NFC, and you could kind of root for the player uh, in a way. But yeah, it definitely feels like this is over, and it, it definitely feels like we read it wrong. felt like Tyron Matthew read it wrong, and I, I think you nailed it, John. I think Brett Veach actually read it right. Mm-hmm. In, in the business yeah. that is the NFL. Uh, Anthony Hitchens uh, visited Dub Bears, uh, who <laughs> are, are now run by Ryan Poles. So there is an easy connection there. Uh, as of this recording, he is not signed. So just another former chief taking his time. And I think same point, John, as you're seeing these players have to wait for the contract they want. It, it just continues to make Brett Veach. And that staff look look smarter. Uh, I think the fact that Poles, who is, you know, worked under Veach for so long now, the GM of the Bears being interested, does seem to look like they believe at least Hitchens might have some uh, left in the tank, but no deal so far.
1: Well, I think, you know, the problem with Hitchens uh, the last couple of years in Kansas City has has just been that fans seem is not a very athletic guy. And as a guy who can't make big plays, I think the chiefs valued him a lot more for what he brought to the team in terms of leadership that they made that pretty clear every time they spoke to him. And every time we talked to Anthony Hitchens, he talked about those aspects of his game and what he does. And, you know, uh, Nick Bolton uh, went on and on about how Hitchens had helped him become the player that he has in just the space of a year. So, you know, he's got value over and above uh, his his on-field, his direct on-field contributions. Ryan Poles knows that, and I think that's why they were talking to him. Now, whether or not they signed him to a deal is another question. Maybe, you know, he worked out with the coaches, and the coaches said, yeah, not this guy. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but I think you see that Poles knew something about uh, Hitchens' contributions off the field and, and met with him on that basis.
0: And it does seem like the Bears are in a little bit of a rebuilding mode. They're sure. even still trying to evaluate if their quarterback is someone that they can put their franchise behind. So different strokes right now in Chicago. If you're Hitchens, I don't know if this ends up being the right destination for you because I, I feel like you do at your age. You know, In your, in your 30s, you want to go to a team where – uh, you have a chance to win a title. And I think the bears are probably at least a few seasons from that uh, as they rebuild and retool. And uh, again, polls is, is in charge of that. And uh, I, I am a big polls guy, I've I've heard a lot of great things about him here in Kansas city. I think he's going to turn that program around, but if you're Hitchens, I feel like you want to maybe go to a contender. So I, I wonder if he does hold out for uh, a job where uh, he's the veteran leader, but also uh, with a chance to win a title. Uh, this was not uh, taken that well uh, by Chiefs fans, uh, particularly one of <laughs> our contributors, uh, the great Brit Chief Brad Simcox, says he now is beginning to hate the Dolphins. And how could you blame him with Melvin Ingram <laughs> visiting Miami, the team that uh, took Tyree Kill from the Chiefs in exchange for five draft picks, of course. But Tyree Kill's Dolphins uh, had Melvin Ingram in, uh, and my immediate reaction to this was, whoa, 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 uh, let's chill on this mm-hmm. for a second. Yeah. And, it's not imminent. Uh, I think Melvin Ingram visited north of three or four teams last off season, each, mm-hmm. and and we've commented uh, about how he's been nails this off season. He essentially said right after the Chiefs lost in the the AFC title game that he anticipates Ingram to take his time again. Uh, again, w- what we said with Matthew, this seems like a post draft signing because. Mm-hmm the way the market goes, you're going to make those premium deals right away. But then if you don't get one of those initial wave deals, you might as well wait. So it goes up and kind of goes down, but then as team needs get a greater again, you know, it's not going to be as high as that first premium wave, but it'll be higher than maybe you would sign for right now. So I think this is a hurry up and wait. I also don't really know if Ingram likes the OTA sessions and such. So mm-hmm. you might just wait until,
1: <laughs> right.
0: uh, Those are over uh, similar to what he did last year. So I look, do you like to see him visiting other places when uh, your your starters are Frank Clark and Mike Dana? Uh, No, but uh, I don't think this means necessarily that he's going to be off the market anytime soon.
1: I think if you look at last year where he visited a bunch of teams, signed a a, what was it, an eight million dollar deal with the Steelers. And uh, that had a bunch of backloaded years on it. So by cutting him, they had they had to eat some dead money for a period of time. And the Chiefs ended up getting him for half that. Um, And I think Veach recognizes that Ingram feels he's a player who's worth more than what the Chiefs are playing him. And Veach is saying, "Okay, go find out and we'll still be here waiting for you. And I, I don't think he put up the kind of season last year that to another team. Right, will appear to be one that where they will offer him more money than that. I I think that if the if the Chiefs just wait this one out, they'll be able to get him for a good price after the draft, and it won't enter into the comp pick formula. And you know, it, it's it's there's a lot of upside for the Chiefs to wait here. I think this there's another one where Vich has figured it right. I think that is part of the reason why you're seeing, seeing, some of
0: these old friends shout out to the blog father, Joel Thorman for the AP uh, old friend alert. But I think that's why you're, you're seeing uh, a lot of these players not sign now too, because these, these teams know how valuable these picks are right. in the way that they figured it. Uh, they, they can get picks by waiting until after the draft. And so there's also the case of these handshake deals. It's like, look, we want you, this is what we're thinking. Mm -hmm. sit tight and we'll figure something out after the draft so you know again these high premium players that have a lot of veteran experience I think you start to see wait till post-draft that week wait till the undrafted free agents are in and then these guys will tend to sign what I said about Ingram won't I think extend to Matthew when it comes to like waiting though I think Matthew wherever he ends up signing is going to want to get in for OTAs and really be a part of building whatever program he's going to be building as well. Uh, A quick one here, Steve Nelson to the Texans on the two-year deal. Uh, Steve Nelson continues to be really funny to me. I think (laughs) when he said the Steelers were the best team he's ever been on uh, was great. Uh, Really kind of a bad ending in Kansas City. And now he goes to the the Houston Texans, which uh, are believed to be you know, we talked about how the Bears could be a couple of years away. That the, the Texans, if they're a couple of years away, the Texans feel like they're ten years away uh, after having <laughs> to trade Deshaun Watson and the mess that has been with head coaching and and everything like that. So, uh, Steve Nelson will will go to the Houston Texans on a two year deal. Uh, he's bounced around uh, a little bit now. Um, Chiefs made the right move on that uh, one, I think, as well. Moving on from him, you know, all those years ago.
1: Yeah, I've, I people really hated Steve Nelson while he was here. I think it's another example of what Spagnuolo always says that. Being a cornerback is one of the hardest positions to play because yeah. all anybody notices is what you do wrong. Right. You know, if you give up a touchdown in a game, all of a sudden you're a bum. And I think that happened to Steve Nelson. He actually played fairly well for the Chiefs, and they decided to let him go on and and uh, test free agency. He got a good contract with the Steelers, played well for the Steelers. Not great, but he right. played well for the Steelers during his time there. I actually thought uh going into this offseason that bringing Nelson back might be something the Chiefs would consider just to get some stability back there in the <laughs> cornerback room, but that ain't going to happen no, is it <laughs> I did not
0: I did not think that that was an option but yeah. Um, so yeah so there you go he's with the Houston Texans now if you if you see them on the red zone channel when the Chiefs are not on you you'll know him by the shirt that he's grabbing of whatever receiver he is assigned to. too. Okay. Uh, catching up here on a few things that happened right after we recorded last week. Again, we're, we're doing this once a week during the off season. Chiefs are reportedly out on James Bradbury. That report was from NFL networks, uh, Jeffrey Chadia, who is plugged in. So I think they're out for that price point. The giants are, are trying to get some team to trade him, uh, to trade for him and take a, what is that? 13 million or so mm-hmm. cap pretty, it. Pretty and, big hit. Yeah our whole theme of this show is how the chiefs have been really shrewd with their cap, So they don't want Bradbury. I still think that Stefan Gilmore is interesting. Do you have the former defensive player of the year come in for a workout to make sure that his, what is his, his quad is okay. Is he willing to do that? Does he just want to get paid by the, the highest bidder kind of seemed that way when he wanted to leave new England and ended up in Carolina limited. I, I think you need bodies there. Uh, I don't know how the chiefs, about Gilmore, they have been tied to him. Uh, the rumors had been if the price came down, they would be interested. Uh, and this could be another comp pick window thing mm-hmm. where teams are just like, Look, Steph, Steph, and I'm we're Nick, we're on a nickname basis, man. <laughs> Chill, hang out, let us do our draft. Let you know, if maybe Brett Veach trades four picks and needs another cornerback in the room badly and the price comes Mm -hmm. up you pay him after the draft it doesn't enter the compact formula you still allow flexibility for next year uh but it i think that's what changed i just wanted to make make note of that it seems like more of a chance for gilmore than bradbury at this right
1: right yeah just because of the situation with uh brad uh, bradbury's cap hit yeah i think you're right i think gilmore would make a little more sense after the draft than bradbury would absolutely
0: so we will see if, uh, again, a former defensive player of the year comes to Kansas City. Sometimes it works uh, where you have a, a really good uh, veteran contributor. Um, you know, I think about, I don't know why he's coming to mind, but Kendall Fuller. Sometimes it doesn't in Terrell in Dur- Rivas. It uh, depends on what you get. So we we will see how that goes in Kansas City. Speaking of older players, uh, 50, a player in his 50s, uh, Terrell Owens, Went on record. We're a little late on this because, again, this happened right after we recorded last week. But yeah. uh, Terrell Owens suggested he could have made a difference for the Chiefs <laughs> in the AFC title game last year. Last year. So Owens, who is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, has, you know he's been pining to continue to play, uh, which is, is a little unprecedented. He's involved in uh, – I'm reading Wikipedia here, John – the uh, fan-controlled football league where the fans get to vote – on the plays and stuff. And that's what he's doing now. Uh, A hall of famer. And he went on with Pat McAfee, who I mean is on fire this year. If there's a, if there was a breakout football journalist of the year, it would be Pat McAfee. So it uh, goes on there. And he basically says that he was in Andy Reed's ear. This is legitimate. Like not even you would think, okay, this is a, a bit he's joking. He was legitimately <laughs> saying that he was texting Andy Reed all of 2021. And saying, <laughs> that he still has some juice. Uh, and, and specifically in the AFC title game, he, he kind of jabs Josh Gordon, which we've been complimenting Brett Feach the whole show. That is deserved. Uh, Josh Gordon did not work out. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, I looked dumb for that too because I thought he was going to uh, be a contributor. Uh, but he jabs Josh Gordon, says if that was me instead of Gordon, we would have won the AFC title game. Now, is it insane? I don't think it's as, it is as insane as it comes off. Um, I haven't seen Owens in the Fan Football Controlled League. Uh, I just happen to think that it, he would not have made he would not have made the difference. I, I think you got to lean that he would not have made the difference. What What did you make of of this, John?
1: Well, I'm with you. I have not watched any FFCL games. He's 48, uh, by the way. I said he's yeah. in his 50s. Yeah, I, I was going to correct, I was, I was gonna correct you on that. I thought oh. it was the late 40s. Right. But it, I don't think that makes much difference in this conversation. You gotta love a guy that still has confidence in his ability. Uh, you know, really. even at, even at that age, I thought it was it was ridiculous. I mean, I, I just don't see how a guy like that could could compete against NFL uh, defenders at that age. Um, I mean, maybe we could be surprised. After all, you know, we see Tom well, Brady and we see. George Blanda and these guys who've been famous for playing into their forties, but those guys weren't wide receivers. Okay. And I just, I just had a hard time even considering the possibility that, that, uh, TO could have been a guy that could have made a difference in that game, but you make a good point. Uh, you know, it's not like Veach made a great move to get Josh Gordon. He's still on the roster this year. You know, maybe he, he will see something this year, but we certainly didn't last year. And, So I get why T.O. picks on Gordon in this particular instance, um, but I don't think he would have been that much better. I really don't. A quick point on Owens. He was last with the team in August of 2012.
0: That's 10 years ago. And the the Seahawks released him. He tried to come back again in 15. I don't. (laughs) Anyway, back to Gordon quickly as well, because (laughs) I, I didn't mean to. It kind of buried him a little bit there. Uh, the chiefs are doubling down on that bet. And I think right. they're just going to give him a full off season in the, in the Andy Reed playbook. I mean, covering the chiefs since 14, I have gotten to cover new pass catchers that entered the locker room and everyone. And it's always a point of, uh, of something that we talk about of is the playbook that Andy Reed has and learning mm-hmm. it and making sure that, you know, each and every position. And it's not easy. Um, and I know that we've had like Clyde in the past make light of it and fans like threw their hands in the air <laughs> Clyde had to come back and be like, look, I didn't say the playbook was easy. I'm I'm getting it down. But I don't know. I just think about Gordon and he enters midseason. You're trying to catch up. It's really tough to get a rapport with Patrick Mahomes while, you know, you're you're in the middle of it. This was the first time mm-hmm, playing football true. in a long time. He did have the touchdown. Uh, so I, I think the Chiefs are like, OK. Uh, we got his feet wet a little bit. He ended up being a healthy scratch in the playoffs for Derice Fountain. So that tells you what the Chiefs thought of him at, at that point. Uh, but let's give him another opportunity. Let's get him in for OTAs. Let's get him thrown with Pat for a full year plus now. Uh, and then we'll see what we have uh, come September. And for what it's worth, like Gordon, at least according to his social media, seems really receptive and really excited for the opportunity. So I think it's just one of these wait and see if you can turn back the clock type of things
1: well you can't blame him for that you know he'd been out of the league for quite a while and he gets a chance to play with a team that's a contender uh and with a really good quarterback and uh he's another he's one of the 11 players who has a veteran salary benefit contract it's not guaranteed it's not a big deal if they let him go go going into the regular season I, i they're doubling down but it's not a big investment to make especially during the off season when you're under top 51 salary cap rules so Um, you know, it's, we'll just have to see. I mean, I, I would have expected more out of him, quite frankly, than we saw last year. Nothing, not a lot more, but more, you know, nothing
0: like some hot Josh Gordon, April talk, uh, to get the fans going. Uh, I, I think there's a possibility that he's not quote unquote done. I'm Mm -hmm. less hopeful than last year after seeing that last year, but that's reasonable. Uh, we'll have to check back in and OTAs and, and training camp. Um, to see where, where Gordon is at with, with the rest of these uh, receivers and the 12 picks. There could be 12 new players uh, by the time we get it through the NFL draft. All right. Uh, when we come back, we are going to have a deep cap conversation. We're going to check in on the visit tracker. Uh, some comments about wide receivers from NFL Network uh, raised my eyebrows. Stay with us. You're listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride editor show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon. We're about two weeks from the NFL draft. The Chiefs are they have 12 players they're picking, John. That that's a lot of write-ups. Uh that's too many. <laughs> so
1: it's all Brett, about us.
0: Brett, we know you're listening. Trade half of them if you can. Uh and and get better players anyway. Um, no, but in all seriousness, we don't necessarily think the Chiefs are going to. I'd be using all of these picks. If you had to guess, John, and, and I don't have this on the rundown, so I'm going put it on the spot here. How oh. many do we get, you think, at this point? I would say seven.
1: i, I Maybe a little more than that, uh, but that's in the right range. Seven to nine, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I'm sure that, that Veach would like to make some trades to move around. But you know, in order to make a trade, you have to have somebody who's willing to go along with you to do it, and you can't always do. You know that. what they
0: say, so, John? It, it, that's two to tango, baby. That, right, that's that's exactly. what you need two to tango, and right. uh, we'll see if the Chiefs are able to get that. Uh, the Chiefs have made some good trades in the past, like, namely, uh, Charverius Ward for Parker Anger, and mm-hmm. so I think there's like it's like the Tampa Bay Rays thing. I think sometimes the Chiefs get on the phone, and the, and the other team is like, wait. They want this guy? No, we're keeping this guy. What are you, what are you talking about? That they, they know what they're doing here. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's go through the visit track. We're going to get into the cap. I know that I'm going to let you lead that discussion, John, but um, I'm just going to read the positions because, again, we have the AP draft show. Monday uh, and, and Friday Ron Kop and, and their team is doing uh, good when it comes to specifics. They, there are draft experts here, but I'm just going to rip off the positions that have been connected to the chiefs. And so uh, John, you've been doing a nice job with our tracker, defensive tackle, defensive end, uh, a running back, tight end, a safety cornerback, wide receiver, another wide receiver, defensive tackle, a wide receiver, um, we had a cornerback, a tight end, a tight end, an offensive lineman, a safety, and a cornerback. And again, we're we're not gonna go into the names here,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: I think even just from me ripping those off, you get a sense of well, the Chiefs are, are you know legitimately interested in the positions we're talking about. The tight ends and and that tight end pattern is interesting. I, you know, you, you think about Travis Kelsey, he's getting older at some point, right? Mm-hmm. He's going to start. Uh, tapering off. I don't know if it's going to be this year because he seems like the type of guy that does have this fountain of youth uh, thing going. And Tony Gonzalez did a nice job well into uh, his thirties, but I think the chiefs uh, might add another body there to, to give Noah Gray some competition, a little bit underwhelming last year for Noah Gray. We uh, talked about the cornerbacks and the safeties. We know the Chiefs are interested in edge and then the wide receiver. So, you know, a lot of these, it, it seems obvious and and to an extent it is, but I, I think a lot of these positions that the Chiefs have been connected to make sense for uh, the NFL draft.
1: It's been kind of an interesting mix uh, of name players that might go early in the draft and players from, you know, division two schools and, you know, names right. that are completely unfamiliar to us. So um, I, I think that they're doing a couple of different things. I think sometimes they're just, you know, ch- maybe they didn't get a chance to talk to them at the combine. So right. they want to check off that box before they decide whether they're interested in a player or not. Uh, maybe they need to find out in the case of these less familiar picks, um, you know, maybe they weren't at the combine, didn't get an opportunity to talk to them. I think, I think the chiefs use these visits for a lot of different reasons. I think, I think yeah. there's a perception that, uh, visits are used for one thing or another. I think, I think they're used for all kinds of different reasons. Well, cause there's, there doesn't seem to be a pattern to me.
0: It's to get to know the player and to have you right. talk to your coaching staff. Right. It's sometimes for medical reasons. Mm-hmm. And then there's like this deep strategy area of the NFL where, teams want to have you connected to a position <laughs> and they yeah. just wanted other teams to see it. So when the draft comes up, you're not, you're not worried about the, you know, them because they're more interested and then bam, <laughs> Brad feature trades up and steals your missed to Steal your man uh, and get you, get your, <laughs> get your player. So there is a little bit of the smoke screen aspect too, uh, but it, it does seem to fit the needs we believe that the chiefs have. So that yeah. I just, that's mm-hmm. something that I want to mention. Uh, Peter Schrager made a point about wide receivers. And, and speaking of a position of need for the Kansas City Chiefs, he made a point about wide receivers uh, in saying that the, there, there are five guys that are considered first-round receivers. And so I'm, I'm going to try to explain this as best I can. Brett Veach ideally likes to take these players at, at the area of the draft where on their board – they have the max value. So you hear him about talking about hot zones where the value mm-hmm. sort of matches yes. where the players are. So there's only so many receivers with first round grades in the, in the NFL draft. Schrager named them. Jam- Jamison Williams of Alabama, which is the consensus draft crush of all of Chiefs Kingdom. Uh, Chris Alave from Ohio State. Garrett Wilson, Ohio State. Traylon Burks, Arkansas, Drake, London, USC. But here's the interesting part. He goes as high as saying the Chargers at 17 where New Orleans has – at the 16 may need to trade up. So there could be this run of first round receivers really early. The chiefs don't pick till Mm -hmm. 29. And then especially when you get into the twenties, we know green Bay needs a receiver. The Chiefs stole one of their receivers in MVS. We know that new Orleans again, could use receivers with that whole Michael Thomas disaster. Uh, And so point being, if the chiefs want one of these top five premiums, they're going to be trading a lot of picks and they're, they they could be picking as early as what seems to be in the eight to 15 range. And Schrager is plugged in. You know, he's on. He's the face or one of the faces of Good Morning Football. He talks to all these GMs. We know he talks to Brett Beach. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this, I thought, was really interesting. Uh, where it gets complicated again, and it was the point I was making in our first segment, is the Chiefs have so many needs. They have so many needs. So could they really afford to go and get one of these premium guys? And I think that's going to be really interesting. And, and the whole point of my article that I wrote up was, man, strap your seatbelts in and watch the whole mm-hmm. NFL draft. Right. Normally I'd say yeah. – <laughs> look, the Chiefs are going to sit there and trade back or something. No, I, I think they're going to be active early. And and this because was another thing that led me to believe that.
1: Well, uh, you know, going back to the point you made just a couple of minutes ago about uh, the smokescreen aspect of it, I think there's at least a chance that Schrager is carrying water for Veach here and putting up a smoke screen about the possibility of a lot of teams trading up a run at wide receivers. If... Brett Me- If Brett Veach thinks, as I think he does, that there's some defensive end on the board that he wants to grab early, that would play right into his hands for there All to right. be a run at wide receivers and be a lot of trading up to get wide receivers because that means there'll be a lot less competition for the defensive ends that are at the top of the draft. Right. So it could be that it's, it's just as advertised that we could see the Chiefs making a big move to get a wide receiver to replace Tyreek Hill. That's absolutely possible. But yeah. I think it's also possible that Peter Schrager is carrying some water for Rhett, Rhett Veach, and, and uh, Veach is trying to create a really big smokescreen about, about what's going on and what the Chiefs are thinking about in the hopes that he can get the player he wants without expending a lot of capital.
0: The one thing that we know that Beach and his staff do well is really making alternative plans like plan B mm-hmm. and C and yes. D and, and so on. And I, I think what's interesting about that is when you have 12 picks – I mean, the list of plans that you have to have is sure. just, it's like it seems almost impossible to be ready for anything. So I think it's going to be a lot of bobbing and weaving, especially this this draft in particular. Like when you have six picks, there are only so many things that you could do. I mean, mm-hmm. the right. The options that the Chiefs have with all these picks is is limitless. So and that
1: they're equally distributed through the draft. I think that's an underappreciated point here that right. they've got multiple picks in like the first four rounds. I think it is. Yeah. Um, that's 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 a really helpful thing to have if you want to wheel and deal on draft day.
0: Uh, John, I want to move on to the cap space point. And you, you put up a nice article for us this week. And essentially, you were saying to sign its draft class, the Chiefs will need less cap space uh, than you think. And you broke down the numbers. And what did you learn in, in your deep dive here about the cap and, and where the Chiefs stand?
1: Well, this is something that we we see every year at this point in the in the off season, where a team has X amount of cap space, and you see people saying, "Well, yes, but they're going to need you know Y amount of cap space, which is usually most of it, in order to sign these rookies." The right. reality is much different uh, because of the way that the salary cap rules work, and an underappreciated, uh, not widely known fact about how rookies count against the cap, essentially they don't count against the cap at all. When they're drafted, they only count. They only have an impact on the cap. They count against the cap, but because they're below the 51 player threshold, they don't show up as part of the cap hit. But once they sign their contracts in some cases for more than the 51st highest salary, uh, 51st highest caps hit, I should say, uh, on the roster, Then they, those salaries will have an impact uh, on the cap and it varies depending on, you know, how many picks you have and what rounds the chiefs have two picks in the first round, which means that they'll have a couple of players that'll be above that 51 player threshold uh, when they sign their deals. So it's more money than we usually see, but it's still just $3.8 million. If they, if the chiefs, right picked all of the used, all the draft picks they have to pick players. And I laid out some, some circumstances where they might make trades that would change uh, the, uh, the calculus on the, on the draft picks. The one I liked the best uh, was one where they, uh, where they trade the, for the jets, let's say, uh, because the jets won another pick in the first round. They've already got two Right. And so the Chiefs uh, uh, give uh, give their their thirtieth pick, their one hundred and third pick, and their two hundred and thirty third pick in order to get the Jets' second round picks at thirty five and thirty eight. Now, what I think is cool about this is the Chiefs would have a first round pick, four second <laughs> round picks, a third, two fourths, and three sevenths. That's six picks in the top one hundred. Okay. Right. And I think Brett Veach could kill with that kind of, of ammunition in his pocket to, to actually use those picks for players. And it would only cost him four million dollars in cap space to sign him in June. Well, so <clears throat> what we've that's seen
0: pretty cool. We've seen their track record in you know day two and day three, and they really do a nice job at the end of the draft with the fringe players. And now I really think this is them, especially when it comes to a draft compensation, really calling their shot in a way, look, mm-hmm. give us all these premium picks and watch what we can actually do. I, you know, there has been some talk about Brett Veach and his inability to necessarily nail that day one or day two. And I think he said to himself, I'm betting on myself this time around and let's see uh, how it, it goes. Uh, as it stands right now, you can always check the cap at, at our website. Uh, John, you do a nice job with this as well. And I want to say it again. If you go to resources at the top of our pride.com and click on chiefs and roster cap, you can ca- check the cap space. We got the roster. There's about 14 and a half million dollars uh, in cap space for the chiefs to play with right now. And uh, it could be more by the time, you know, they can do some different things. They they still have some options there. So we, we will see what they end up doing. Um, I know that DK Metcalf has been a name that's been out there. I, I figure, mm-hmm. figure if they were going to make that bombshell deal, that would be a, a new contract because I don't think you make that unless you are willing to, to sign that receiver up for, for long-term. So we'll see how it plays out. Let's go to the poll of the week to, to close the show. Which Chiefs offseason edition have you liked the most? John, the options were Justin Reed, Juju Smith-Schuster, MVS, or the five more picks. What do you think, without looking, hmm. uh, was the fan pick here?
1: Mm, probably Juju. I would go with Juju here. Wrong. Wrong. Really? Juju was third. Wow.
0: The, yes. So wow. Fans are most excited about five more picks. The play- eh. Five mystery doors. What is this? The price is right. Five more picks. Forty point five percent in in the lead for for five more picks. Look, always take the prize. I know it's a stereo system uh, or a piano. You can sell it <laughs> if you don't want it. You can sell it. What if behind the door is a box of beans? You know, or you a donkey. Yeah. I do I do not agree with the fan base here. My vote would have been for Justin <laughs> Reed, who was second, uh, twenty eight point yeah. seven percent, then Juju at twenty four, and ain't nobody. Like MBS, he only has seven uh, percent. So yeah, uh, that that is the the uh, you could the, you could tell the excitement level. So a lot of fans are excited about the draft uh, reasonably. So I'm just kidding around about the prices. Right, uh, Justin Reed, I think is 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 the big winner. There's a lot of I think hidden hype with him. Uh, Juju, you know, you wonder how many points are taken off because of his TikToks. Uh, maybe, maybe with less TikToks, he might be up to like 27%. Um, but I, <laughs> I thought it was interesting that five picks won out. Um, and again, I, I think we talk about the vocal minority and stuff. Some fans are, are looking at the optimistic level of the Tyree kill trade, um, mm-hmm. which does give you a lot of cheap players. So if you can nail those picks, um, that the chiefs now have, um, you know, I think you feel a lot better about trading it hard to say this, but one of the best pass catchers of our generation, uh, really. So
1: perhaps in the, in the history of the franchise, I mean, I think you can make that argument that oh, he's the best
0: receiver in the history of the franchise for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I, I, you know, some of that I think is fans dealing with their grief, right. you know, that they've, that this very, very <laughs> productive, very popular player who had a, you know, and I think it makes it, makes it uh more of a problem because he had that checkered past coming in and right you know we had to get with him on a personal level uh and see how that all played out i i think that makes it harder for people to let go of him so i think as a fan if you want to stay positive about the team your only choice really is to go but look at all these draft picks we got you know yeah. so i guess in a sense I should have thought about it some more. The draft never, picks isn't a surprising <laughs> answer. My <laughs> book was read because I've never been a pick guy because even if you trade yeah. for
0: two first rounders, like, you know, you flip Amari Murray Cooper for three first rounders, right? You got yeah. to nail the picks and we've right. seen first round busts both in Kansas city and elsewhere. And it's hard. It's hard to nail it in the first round. So uh, you have these picks um, again. I, I think it's Brett Veach vet betting on himself and his staff. And I think it's uh, them betting on the quality of these next two drafts and, and we'll, mm-hmm. We won't know who Tyreek Hill was traded for until we know who Tyreek Hill was traded for. So uh, we will see. All right. Well, uh, if you like the Arrowhead Pride podcast network, once again, please leave us a a rating and review. We'll be wrapping up coverage as we get to NFL draft season. After the draft, we'll see the return of some of these shows that we regularly have during the season. They'll be intermittent. We'll have more uh, on those announcements coming up. I'll I'll get with Steve and we'll figure out how to announce it. But as Brad and Tom Soft announced yesterday, you'll be seeing the (laughs) return of shows like Show and BK and the Great British Chiefs show. So ramping up coverage to the NFL draft. We'll keep you updated at ourheadpride.com. Again, rate, review us. We'll read it right here on the show Uh, for Steve Serta behind the proverbial glass and and my my partner here, John Dix, and I'm Pete Sweeney. Thank you for once again joining us on the hit Pride Editor's Show.